Hey you, thanks for tuning into the Waiting List Podcast. I'm Long Long. I'm Daniel. And I'm Jacqueline. And we are three watch friends with a healthy obsession for watches. So sit back and relax with us while we chat with collectors, industry giants, and share some good vibes. Welcome to episode 140, wow, that's gone fast, of the Waiting List Podcast, where we are, again, back as a trio, Long Long, Jacqueline, and myself. And today we welcome to the show a Chinese collector friend of ours, James Lee, who has a particular affection to a certain brand called FP Jean. Welcome, James. It's a pleasure to finally have you on, having discussed this uh, for so long. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. Pleasure is mine. And uh, good to finally be on the podcast. Uh, I have to say I'm I'm probably the number one fan of you guys. I listen to every uh, episode. So um, <laughs> glad to be here. You sound very enthusiastic. <laughs> yeah. All the people yeah. that say that to us sound the same. <laughs> I, I think Sebastian might have something to say about that. But anyway, we're going to have him on soon. Um, but usually when we have guests on, that particular guest that we always invite on has a particular single singular relationship with one of us. But actually, you have the fortune of being friends with all of us prior, prior to this recording. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. Well, I, I had the uh, had a chance to meet you. Uh, I had a chance to meet Long Long. And uh, I haven't got the luck to meet Jacqueline yet in person, but we've been talking for a long time. Yeah. Did you know me out of the three? Like, th- w- was I the first one that talked to you, or was uh, I-, I think so? Yeah, you're the first one I uh, I, I I talked to among the three. We have a, we're we're in a very fun group chat together. Aww. Yes, very serious group chat. Yeah, <laughs> where where we did a lot of uh, you know a lot of work, good work. Uh, it's it's a it's a dangerous group chat let's let's put it that <laughs> yes yes right let's uh get on with this interview so we mentioned that you know you have a very strong affiliation or affection for fp jean what's so special about fp jean in your opinion uh i think so for fp jean i think i think the uh the key things like thinking back attracted me was mainly the design because when I first looked into FP Shorn, when I first noticed an FP Shorn, uh, I didn't know anything about watchmakings, uh, finishings and anything like that. The main thing that caught my eye was the whole design of the watch that has got the, uh, the classic elements of it, of a, of a, of a classic watchmaking design. But then it's got its own, their own style in terms of you know the the, the bell shape, the bell shaped um, subdial, uh, the hands, uh, and also the fonts and everything put together, is just uh, very different to me at the time. Uh, and I, I I think a lot of the watch makers or a lot of the watch brands can make good watches um, from many perspectives. But to me, at the time, design was the first thing because I look at the watch face uh, most of the time. So I think a lot of brands and watchmakers can make good watches, but not all of them can make good designs that can last and can stand out. So that's what caught my eye. And then to this day, I, I still think that 
Afishorn is not only a great watchmaker maker from uh, from the perspective of uh, you know the innovation uh, in 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 movement design, and also he's got good finishing. Although he's he's never uh, marketed his finishing because uh, he that's that wasn't his uh, main attention. But I think the stronger um, leg of his is the uh, design language that probably, you know, uh, as a French, uh, he's, he's got it in his genes. Would you say, like, the hype, you know, has put you off it at all in recent years? You know, it's got such a, a strong following now and it really yeah. just boomed. Yeah, when I, when I first looked, so for me, right, I, I've been... I've been always looking into things that are more a little bit more special. Um, uh, the ones I want to I want to own or the ones I, re I, I, I really got interested in. So that's why um, I first got into FP Jour. Uh, it's special and uh, it's very um, it's very understated because at the time no one was still at, at, at this at this day, most of the people don't well, no, most of the non-watch people don't know about F.P. Shorn. It's still understated, but in the watch world, it's so famous now, all of a sudden. But at the time, even in the watch world, not many people like really know about F.P. Shorn, or, or, or even if they know, they probably don't care about F.P. Shorn. So at that time, you can still you know, appreciate the brand uh, on your own, and then you can... Uh, if you will, you can you can buy a few at a uh, relatively reasonable price, but now uh, all of the hype just uh, make it harder and harder to first afford one, and then second to you know to get on hands of any uh, uh, good examples because those are you know uh, achieving crazy prices now. So I think that's the part that uh, uh, put me off. Um, but not 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 for the brand, but uh, as uh, as a collecting in general, uh, it makes it harder and harder for people like me or for people for people like you guys to really uh, get our hands on these pieces. Well, not if you're Jack. Jack can seem seemingly get her hands on anything. Actually, like yes, have you seen her Instagram? Like it's ridiculous. It's like where the hell did you get that? <laughs> I want to know how you search these things, Jack. Really, like, how do you actually? What's your What's your strategy? What's your tactic? She just crops the photos from someone else's Instagram, like <laughs> you know, and then photoshops it. That's yeah. how. And I have to say that the the, the pieces that Jacqueline's got. Uh, I mean, obviously, I mean, from from the the day I I know her, I know she's very diligent on on on. Uh, he, he he she makes all these uh, conscious buys and he, she does tons of homework before she buys it but what surprises me is that how she can find these pieces that you really don't see in the wild mm -hmm. and uh, like like the brigade she recently got I, I don't know I, I have never seen seen it I don't know how you got it and I don't know how you can find a piece in such great condition what is what what is about this brigade? It's it's all I've been hearing about recently. <laughs> um, um, this Before you start, let's uh, just clarify for our listeners which brigade we're talking about because I'm talking about the Empire. 
Okay, so 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 the Breguet we're talking about is a vintage um, empire from the late 50s. And obviously back then, Breguet wasn't um, bought by... Um, is Breguet Richemont or... No, Swatch. Okay, so, so and it was still um, operating under what collectors call the Brown era. And, and back then, um, you know, Breguet is uh, known for restoring old uh, clocks and pocket watches for important royal families. They very rarely made pocket um, wristwatches. So during that era, all the pieces that came from that time were basically special orders. Um, so each one is different a, a little bit. And, and for the empire, a lot of people ask me this question, like what reference, re what reference is the watch? And so the question is, um, that's, and my answer here, let, let's answer it once for an all, because I get that question too many times. There's no reference because Brigitte never had really reference numbers. All the numbers you saw on the dials were, um, specific watch numbers they weren't reference numbers because each watch was kind of one off due to the special order thing but i recently posted that watch um online i've had that for a while and oh my god like some really um like big collectors messaged me about that watch that I, to a point where I was like shocked because they, they asked me, Oh, do you want to let it go? Like, are you thinking of, of selling it? And then I was just like, why is everyone talking about the Brigade all of a sudden, not just online, but then I showed it to some um, collector in, 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 at the show in Miami and he, um, you know, very knowledgeable guy and very passionate. And he also was like, please sell it to me if, if um, you ever do. So, um, but it's a pretty, pretty watch. Um, has a movement peso 260, which um, Kari uses in his up observatoire watches when he first started his brand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How much do you actually like, really like that watch? It's all fake. That's why you guys haven't met me yet. All the watches are fake. <laughs> How much do you really like that watch in, in terms of the rest of your collection? Like, where's it ranking your lovability? Um, okay, so I'll answer that question, but then I'll say another thing. So I've brought that watch to collector gatherings. And from far away, everybody's like, oh, you've got a Roger Smith. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a Roger Smith, right? And then it wasn't it a, yeah, and I'm not a, well, I, I guess I can mention it because, yeah, that's the, our specialty. Um, it looks exactly like Ben Clymer's Roger Smith. <laughs> his, his Roger Smith is a yellow gold, uh, um, like champagne dial, but with Roger's like purple hands, right? Um, but if you just remove the purple hands and put on like the gold Brigham hands, it's it's the exact same watch. So a lot of people think it's Roger Smith until they look closely and it's like, oh, it's a Brigham. But what kind of Brigham is that? I, I have never seen it in the shop because, well, because it's vintage. Um, but to answer your question, how much do I like it? <clears throat> like my collection right now, I don't want to take too much time because this episode is about James, but I'll, very briefly. Um, my collection right now is mainly uh, focusing on two things, um, paddock, so specifically vintage paddock, and also um, uh, independence. That's my focus right now because it's really hard to acquire 
anything else that's like really coveted. But then the Breguet is kind of a very alternative choice in my collection because it is vintage, but it has a very um like, you know, um steady movement and it the movement itself has a long history of being the observatory movement. So it's very special in that case. I wouldn't rank it but that is the watch that I would wear to go to school or go to class. <laughs> I mean, oh, I, I you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but you know how many <laughs> listeners like thought, what the yeah. fuck? Just, just right there, they're going to listen to that and I think, what yeah. the fuck? Why? Yeah. Why? Well, because like, like, just can you just hear yourself? Like, yeah, yeah this is the watch I wear like... to school. Yeah, as in like, does no, that mean that it's like a wear uh, an RM or an AP to 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 class, right? Because those I are. I think you should wear an RM to class because it suits what you're wearing to class. I did once, and then I'm not gonna do it again. Why didn't you just say it's it's fake? <laughs> no, no, no! It's not because of that. It's because oh. like people don't come up to you and ask like, "Hey, what you're wearing?" They oh. just right and then those are kind of awkward so then i'm not i'm not gonna do that. this is what i'm fascinated by like when you go to a really good uni or a bad uni actually there's tons of students who are spending a lot of money now i mean even when i went which is so much longer ago mm. like compared to you jack people were like holding bags and bags of shopping already so it's like why are they shocked when their bag costs so much Okay, so I mean, I don't know. So, so at my school, it's kind of um, nobody. Well, if you wear like designer or wear a lot of jewelry to class, like things that are really flashy, like people don't know, right? But then there will be people who who know, and they'll like take um, you know notice of that, and then you do like get the occasional stare or not because my roommate, I remember like. She wore a lot. She has a lot of designer clothing and designer bags, but then she would never take those to to class. She would wear them on campus or going out where people will look, but then she would never just wear it to class. So, and I understand because you're 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 going there to study. You're not there to. Um, so I understand where people are coming from, but like that's not where why I wear these things, right? That's not why any of us wear these things. You're just wearing them to to enjoy them. But then it is kind of like a double-edged sword where you're going to study or work or whatever in an environment where people will notice um and then get awkward stares. And then just to avoid that awkward stare. So don't just don't even wear it in the first place. Um, but but I would wear totally wear that reggae and I like I wear vintage Cartier all the time. I think it's very uh, like has the studious type of, of feeling, Look, I see. which I am not <laughs> when I'm wearing it. It makes me feel that way. So that's why I wear it. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's bring back James into this conversation. Yeah, and, I want uh, to continue. I can actually continue to uh, Jacqueline's uh, conversation because that that's also when I when I first bought Pichon, right? I was debating between a thirty nine forty, the Patek, and a Pichon, which is a totally no brand, right? And that was no no name brand. That was the first time I bought that. So, I made a long debate, and eventually, what made me really put down the money to that towards the Pichon was that 
if I wear a patak, like people is gonna know to to work, right? People is gonna know what it is, even though they don't they don't know which model it is. They know it's a big name. So the main reason I bought the FP showroom is that I want to wear it to work. I want to wear it every day, and and no nobody's gonna notice what it is. And and every time my boss asks, "What watch you're wearing?" Even to this day, I still tells him, "Oh, it's just a small 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 name brand." That what <laughs> hopefully to him equals to oh, it's just a cheap watch. Yeah, so that that's why. Yeah, that's why I wear it all the time. Well, that's aged well for you. <laughs> okay, so then, what a good brand is left that you can wear to work now without people knowing? Well, FP Shore still most of the people in 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 yeah. in my work environment still wouldn't know, right? And That's then, yeah. like uh, Daniel Ross, which I'm into, oh, yeah. uh, like yeah. like yeah. friends like these, no nobody would notice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But James also has a few vintage paddocks. So, so you are you saying you never wear those to to work? I do occasionally, uh, which I I usually hide under my sleeve. Yeah. Let's see. So I guess yeah. that's the charm of FP Jean, isn't it? Because it gave an option, you know, when you've had like, when you think dress watches are that kind of well-known brand, you're looking at Vacheron, you know, which has been around for ages and Patek and um, AP don't re didn't really, you know, they're all about the Royal Oak. The FP Jean, you know, gave another option for a dress watch, but also had that romanticism that let's say Langer doesn't, right? Langer's quite austere. So... I guess that's the charm of F.B. John, right? Do you yeah. know that, per that Parisian flair? This conversation sounds ridiculous to somebody that one does not really either not Asian or does not live in Asia, but just the <laughs> fact that we're buying things and then we're considering how to use the thing. It's like buying a car, but thinking, where, where can I drive this car? Like, how, I'm, how am I going to find a way to drive this car? Mm. It just yeah, it's a very happy. Asian thing to do. Yeah. 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 But uh, James, what would you say are the most special pieces in your collection at the moment? The ones that really, you know, pull at your heartstrings? I think, um, so within the FP genres, I think uh, the resonance, uh, I've got a uh, O2R, which, is, which was... Uh, I think the uh, I would say the second series of the of, of the early uh, resonance. Uh, I say in the PTKs is in well, it's this one. It's in the PTKs in in the yellow gold dial, mm -hmm. which is a very iconic um, version uh, and 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 uh, of the early genres. Um, and also I have another um. So among all, all the genre models, right, except for uh, resonance, the model that I like the most is the Calendre. Because I think Calendre is, first of all, it's very functional. Uh, it's like for daily use, the functions are very useful. But then the, the Calendre of FP Journe, I think in some way, like it's, it's, a, it's a combination of all the FP's design elements together. Right, it's off-center subdial. It's got a, a retrograde um, uh, date ring, which complements, which, which is added on to the uh, uh, original RDM and completes the dial. So the whole design looks complete. And it's, it's, to me, it's the perfect efficient design from the early days. 
And then the piece I got is the uh, is the Rusinium uh, version, which is uh, a little bit more special. Uh, it was in the uh, early brass movement, produced in 2004 uh, in a series of 99 limited pieces. Uh, and it's just a little bit, little bit more special uh, versus the, uh, the, the, the standard model, which I wear, uh, I think I wear the most uh, among all the watches I, I, I own. Mm-hmm. Um, and that watch actually, um, to me, that watch is, is more special uh, because uh, that I that that was a, that was watch I I I traded with one of my uh, friends, uh, and the story behind was that, um, so the first watch I got uh, uh, from FB Shore I didn't mention was the uh, was the Octoloon. Uh, it was a, a 04 Octoloon in brass movement. It's a, uh, it's in pink gold. I was the first FB Shore that I got, and then uh, I had. These conversations with uh, with this friend of mine, uh, who's also uh, you know very big uh, FP FP collector, and he asked me the question, uh, "What was the first um, FP I got?" And then I say, "Oh, it's the Octoloon." And then uh, I show him the pictures, uh, the front and back, and then all of a sudden he said, "James, I need to call you. Uh, do you have time?" And that was uh, like eleven or twelve uh, at night in China. I said, "Oh, okay." Uh, Sure. And then he called me uh, from the U.S. And he said, James, let me tell you a story. I have been collecting uh, early F.P. Jones, uh, like for the past 15 years, 15, 20 years. And what I've been collecting are the uh, early models, uh, which has a very specific serial number, which is number 100. Mm. I've been collecting for 15 years. I have got five watches, the early models that are number 100. And then I'm missing the last piece because uh, in, in the brass movement era, uh, there were six original models, right? The Tourbillon, the Resonance, the Calendre, the, uh, the chrono, uh, Chronograph, the RDM, and then there's the Octoloon. So my Octoloon turns out to be the last piece that he has been hunting for over the 15 years. And then he, before I talked to him, he didn't know like when he's ever, if ever gonna find his watch. Uh, so eventually he, he found me and then uh, he asked uh, James, uh, uh, he told me about the story and then he asked me whether uh, uh, I would ever uh, consider uh, letting this watch go. Um, and he wanted to buy it out from me. So, uh, well, long story short, uh, I didn't want to sell it to him because at the time the 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 FP short prices were the crazy. I don't want to uh, like uh, rob him, uh, but I said uh, I told him, uh, look, I like after listening to your story, I I I feel obligated. I mean, like I'm I'm only a keeper of this timepiece, but I think uh, it's it's time to to give it back to to the to the collection that it belongs to. So I offered him the watch and I told him, uh, just, uh, I'll do a trade with you. Uh, offer me any watch that uh, you, you want to trade with me. So he gave me a, a few options and uh, the uh, calendar was one of them. So I traded off, eventually I traded off, traded off him, uh, uh, of his calendar. 
So he's got my number 100 uh, Octoloon now, and his number 100 uh, collection of early genres is complete. It actually went on the tour with the uh, number one set and also the number 1,000 set uh, last year when Philips will auction it off, uh, the number one set. Uh, I feel uh, very honored, and I got this uh, great friend, um, and I got to have his, have his uh, special piece. That's was so it a one-to-one -one trade? Hmm? Was it a one-to-one -one trade? It's a one-to-one -one trade, yeah. yeah. I think it's great. That was the first piece that you got, and that was the last piece that he needed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's very yeah, good. It's, uh, yeah. it's one of those things, isn't it? Like, once you've done that, you kind of, like, bonded for life with that collector. Yes, yeah. yes. But we it, are uh, very, yeah. very, I, I would say we're very close now. And then um, we, yeah, it's, it just makes the whole relationship very, very, uh, very, very different. Was Can he, I say something? Oh, sure. Long. No, I just want to know, like, was he very good at persuading you or he was just calm? Like, I'm just going to share the story. Then it's up to you. Uh, He... <laughs> He, 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 well, from what he does, he should be very good at persuading, but he wasn't persuading me at all. Maybe that's the way, that's, maybe that's the way he did it. But he, he only, you know, he only told me about it. And then as soon as I heard the story, I mean, yeah. from my perspective, I, I just feel it's like, I, I gotta have, let him, let him have it. Yeah. He didn't even ask me uh, before he finished the story whether I want to let let watch go. Mm, mm, mm. But then I I told told, told myself that okay, uh, if he asked me, I'll let it go. Mm. He's lucky he met a collector like you though as well, because you know if he tells that kind of story to somebody else who isn't as kind as you, they'll just hold him by the balls and say, yeah, all right, I'll sell it to you for like again the ridiculous price, right? Yeah, and then and then I I think. Probably, if you tell it to another person, they probably wouldn't appreciate it as much. They probably wouldn't understand how you know how difficult and how important it is. Um, because I mean, who else out of the nerdy watch world will understand? Oh, okay, like mm -hmm. it is really really difficult to put together these pieces. Six pieces, uh, one of one, one of one each. Mm. Yeah. Especially like I think F.P. Jean uh, in recent years has attracted the speculative collector, you know, and that watch could have easily just been lost to anybody, right? Yeah. Not necessarily. Yeah, so a... so that's, that's why he was thinking like he's probably with the last piece, he's probably never going to find it. It's very possible. Right. You talk about like early F.P.J. and you don't talk about modern day stuff, but you know, do you think that collectors of FPJ make that differentiation now between early FPJ as did they see it differently? I think definitely uh, people are uh, um, after the hype, right? I think there are two kinds of people, right? The first kind is the they're they, you know they follow the hype, they want the latest models, uh, they always uh, want the newest and the best. That's why uh, you know you see you see the uh, resonance, the latest resonance model. The prices uh, for a standard version is almost the same as a very good example of early early resonance. 
And to me, that doesn't make sense because to me, the early version is, uh, is a much more iconic and rare uh, model versus the current version. But I was, I was talking about this with another collector of me who, who has been collecting for, for you know, 20 years. And then he actually made a very good point. To many people, um, they prefer, it, 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 it depends on what, from which per perspective you look at the watch, right? If you look at the watch from a, uh, from a technical perspective, the current version is the, is the best among all uh, resonance, is the most, is the latest, is, is uh, using uh, FBs, uh, all the latest techniques uh, as best, and the design is refined, everything is the best model, best version. And then a lot of the people actually like that. Only a very small group of people, actually, first, they, they probably like older things. They like uh, more original designs. And then uh, they also like uh, discontinuous stuff, like rarity. Hmm. So I think I think the knowledge is all out there, right? If if you spend a little more time, you look into it, you ha you would know okay the the history of the, the 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 stories of the early models, but then I think eventually it is is down to the collector what he likes, right? Hmm. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, I think rarity is a huge um, draw. Um, Probably because, like, where I am now in the auction world, it pays. You know, it's such a lot of the collectors. That's what kind of uh, gives them the kick. You know, true rarity. Yeah. So, so yeah. But just something that popped in my head. Have you have you ever met the man himself? Not yet, because uh, because of the COVID, I I had a few chance, but like due to COVID, I couldn't travel. Okay. So, yeah. is that something you plan to do this year? hopefully uh there's i know we like we have a uh we have i know there's an event uh that's planned later later this year and then potentially he will be there uh i will try my best to make it okay yeah and, um, and also i i always you know i have two kids right and my son's name is and my son is actually named after sean his name is sean lee so you know okay. the, I, I think I think okay. one of the. <laughs> How do you spell that? Oh, Jean same as Sean. Yeah, Sean Lee. Yeah. Oh my God. I I, I think down yeah. down in down at the bottom of my heart, I think yeah. One of the reason is that well, uh, out of other reasons, right? Yeah. One of the reasons is that at some day when I meet Jean and then yeah. when my son meets Jean, like he will appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Is, okay. The, is the other guy called Roth? Yeah, that's what I want to know. What's the other son's name? No, it's a daughter. Oh, the other is, is oh, daughter? It was daughter. Yeah, yeah. And then like she's, yeah, she's six now. So she, <laughs> yeah, she, she like, like I didn't have the chance yet before. All right. So yeah. if any of our audience can come up with these names, please send them in to James. <laughs> okay, but to be honest, it's not that crazy because you know a lot of girls like get names like Chanel. Yeah. And they get like, named things depending yeah. on mom. Right? I, I think it's, it's not like naming my son Patak Lee, right? It's just too out there. Jean, I, I think What's at the very name? beginning. <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, to us, it's probably. But in general, right? I think Jean, 
Yeah. Sean to me is a very special name. I think I I, I Google and I I don't think many people are named after Sean. Right? It's not it's not a very common name, and to me it sounds very good. Well, I think it definitely guarantees nice, you'll meet with him. If you yeah, say that your I'm son sure, is named yeah. after him, it's like even Sean's going to give you like what piece would you like? Yeah, yeah, and he'll pause yeah. for a second and be like, "Shit, what have I done?" And my son will be thanking me when, when, when he's when when he, when, when he grows up, he will definitely be top on the list. Well, I'm not sure he'll be thanking you. It depends, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> but I'm just thinking what the wife said. Like, how did you run that yeah, past the I'm... wife? Actually, it was my wife's idea. Whoa. So we were thinking, yeah, we were thinking about names, and then you know, we like my 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 daughter's name was Valencia. That was uh, that was also for my wife. Uh, we when when we named our kids, we also want uh some very very special names with meanings. So Valencia, uh, it, it sounds very good. Uh, well, first, what well, uh, before we want to uh, name her um, um, uh, Florence because uh, it's it's a nice name and also we like the city. But then, uh, my wife uh, later has some uh, horrible experience in Florence, so she didn't want to use it anymore. And then we came to Valencia, which which sounds uh, very good. And then it's a not a very not not a very common name. And also in Spanish, I think Val uh, Valencia also has the meaning of brave. That's why we we gave it that name. Give her that name. So sure, when we're thinking about my son's name. I was running out of ideas, and then it was my wife's idea that why why don't we uh, name him Jorn because you like F. P. Jorn so much, and it's a good look. Uh, it's a it's a it sounds very good, and it's a very special name. Mm, yeah, right. I was gonna say Valencia rhymes with almost Balenciaga, which is the kind of top you're wearing right now. So the truth oh, it's is, not a, you, yeah, it's is not, it not Balenciaga. Balenci it's uh, oh. aging Siaga. <laughs> oh yeah, I've seen one. Um, aging Siaga. Yeah, this yeah. um, they even do these caps. Like instead of Balenciaga, it says Black Siaga. <laughs> I'll get you. That's right. So now that's an amazing story, though, to call your son after. I've never. That's I've never heard yeah. a story like that. Yeah, I I awesome. heard I told you before. No, Jack. I'll be excited to um hear what you name your kid. Yeah, can I say when I was in um Paris, I I went to this um vintage watch shop and they had a dog there that was named Patek, and <laughs> um and I like of course people were speaking French, so I could make out like a little bit, but then when he called Patek and the dog answered, I was like, oh. <laughs> My dog attack and he's like oh may we and then then um the dog barked and then he said something it was really funny he was like this is better than any patek minute repeater the sound of this <laughs> and then um yeah but right anyway james going back to watches um how would you say your collecting or your purchasing decisions have changed over the years of collecting how would you see that? Um, I I think I start I, I start off like most people, right? Um, you wanna uh, when I start working, uh, you make your own money, and then you started uh, wanting 
something you know uh, well made, and then sometimes a it's a bag, sometimes it's a most of the time it's a watch for a guy. So at the beginning, um, I was mainly you know like men, like most of the people uh, after what's what's popular, like what's a good good watch uh, in general standard, right? So it was big at the beginning, uh, a Daytona, um, a Royal Oak, uh, those kinds of models, right? But I, like what I said, I always look for something more special. So when I bought my first Daytona, um, I did my research and then I looked at all, I looked at all the models from current to uh, previous versions. And I ended up with a uh, with the Zenith Daytona, uh, because from design perspective, I think that's more subtle uh, versus the, the 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 more modern ones. The case design is more uh, it's a little bit slimmer than the current ones, and it wears a little bit better because I I always prefer smaller watches. Um, so the so. I started off with the popular models, but uh, but I always uh, look for a you know more special versions for Nautilus. I I started off uh, looking um, at fifty seven seven elevens, but then uh, I think it's too big uh, by my standard. So I looked further and I was looking into thirty eight hundred, and then I discovered fifty eight hundred, which is a very very special. Um, model uh within the Nautilus line it was only produced for one or two years but back then i guess it wasn't too popular uh that size was what wasn't too popular at the time so it was discontinued uh, shortly after but what's special about 57 uh, 5800 was that is um is the uh uh it's the next version of 3800 which is the small, smaller version of Nautilus but then it carries the same movement as the current uh, 5711. So I would say a more improved version. And also it's a clear back, which you can appreciate the, uh, the, the movement. Uh, and then it's using the rounded uh, year design, uh, same as the current uh, Nautilus versus the straight line uh, of the uh, original. So altogether, uh, from like the rarity, from the design, I ended up with uh, the 5800 uh, versus the 5711. So always looking for more special ones. And that's why I, I went uh, later into FP Shore, like I said. Uh, but then I think my, my, my buying decisions or, or what makes me uh, look into a watch and then uh, how I decide to buy them has changed uh, because of the, the people I met uh, that influenced me. Like Jacqueline, uh, like she influenced me a lot. Uh, the way she uh, looked into watches and his, her attention into the details and also the histories uh, of special models. Um, and also another friend of mine who's been a 20-year, uh, uh, very, very seasoned collector, he, he has told me a lot taught me a lot about um, the, the, the whole transition of the watch industry and uh, how, has the, the, uh, how has things changed and how has, something has never changed uh, among watch collecting. So now I think when I look into a watch, um, 
I, I mean, I still like a lot of the popular models. I, I, I still think they're uh, very well designed. Uh, they're interesting pieces. But when, I, when it comes to the watches I want to buy for myself, I always uh, look at three things, three elements. Uh, first is it has to be uh, classic. So it has the, the design elements needs to, to be um, timeless. And then the second thing is it, it needs to be very elegant. And uh, when I say elegant, I mean, it, it needs to fit my taste. I mean, a lot of different people have different, different, um, different preferences on designs. Uh, so the, the, the designs I like are, are the classic ones, uh, uh, but like F.P. Shore with his own uh, design language, like, like different from all the others. And then the third, and then also uh, the most important is probably the wearability. Uh, it has to fit my wrist. It has to fit my outfits. Uh, I, I can't wear a big watch. Um, it just, for me, as much as uh, I, I, I like any, any watches, if it's too big, I can't wear it, I, I wouldn't buy it. So those are the three things I look, look for. And then uh, if, it's, if it fits all, three, all those three, I will look into this model. I will try to find the best version uh, that I, 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 I can find uh, that always mean uh, that if, if a watch has been in production for many years, uh, it has different series. And I will look into each series. I'll look for the differences and I will uh, look for the one that fit my taste. Mm -hmm. So I think from the beginning to now, um, at the very beginning, it's always, you know, uh, in general, uh, what what the model is like, but now it's more like uh, I prefer to do the homework uh, to know exactly uh, what I want to buy, and then why exactly I want to buy it, and then I will always ask myself if I buy this watch, whether it's gonna stay within my collection for a long time. Mm. So using those parameters that you just said, including timeless and elegant and wearability. Have you ever been interested in Cartier? I have actually, uh, and I, I, I've discussed this uh, with Jacqueline in, in our group. Uh, and then we have a few friends actually, uh, uh, very uh, big collectors in, in China uh, on Cartier's. Uh, in general, I, 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 I like Cartier's, but not all of them. Um, I think Cartier is a very different category uh, in, uh, among watches because for Cartier's, you mainly look at the design. Um, and, but, but I, I think I didn't have the luck because uh, when I started looking into Cartier's, the price is already, already very high. And then when comparing Cartier's with the, with the shorn pieces that I could, I'm also looking into, uh, most of the time I, I go, Go with the shorn because uh, I, I I do have a soft spot for the brand, but I do think Cartier in terms of design um, is very very special. Uh, if I started off early, I probably would fall into a Cartier, uh, and I probably ended up uh, with uh, with box of Cartiers now, and no other brands. Which which Cartier would you say in the vintage lineup attracts you the most? Because you know. The Cartier design language is every single watch. The design language is so different, you know. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, I think to my taste, right? I, I, I like I like a lot of them, but to my taste, if I will buy, um, still to this day, I will buy the uh the mono pusher. The CPCP um, mono pusher. Yeah. Okay. Uh because the case shape is very classic. The uh, the dial design is very classic. It's got a very interesting movement uh with strong with strong in, involvement in it. Uh, and the size uh, is good. So it's, it's to me, uh, and it's, it's still back to the uh, wearability, right? I, I like the crash, but for me, uh, I, I couldn't wear it every day. But a model pusher, I can, I can easily wear it uh, at my work. Okay. Right. So previously in this conversation, we discussed, you know, the, the rise of FPJ in the last two, three years. How do you see the brand going in the, near future um i think so in general i think among all the independent brands i think fp is the is very smart uh he's not only a very successful watchmaker he's also a very su successful businessman uh and that's thanks to i, I know he has a very uh, a few good partners that helps him on on the whole business model and how they market it and how they uh, uh, expand the brand. Uh, I think to this day, uh, it's, uh, it, although it's still very independent, uh, even with the Chanel's involvement, uh, I, th I, I think it's still, a very, uh, it's still an independent brand. Uh, FP still uh, you know, uh, makes uh, the, the, the big decisions by himself. Uh, but at, at the same time, it's well run uh, uh, like a like other big names in terms of marketing right so that's why it's got a success now and I think one thing they did good they he's doing right is to keep the uh, production limited because at this stage although hyped I think FP Jean is still a uh, what we say uh, I would say a niche brand so if you increase the production it would definitely hurt the brand in terms of uh, you know collectability and then how people look at it. Uh, people look at it because it's rare. Uh, it's it's hard to get. Uh, you always be on the wait list. But if you open up the production, it will make it less special. So I think that's what they did right. And then I know FP uh, is very keen on on um, producing um, more complicated watch now. So. I think the brand's strategy is to is to slowly uh, producing less entry level pieces like the uh, CS, uh, like the Octus, and then shift more production capacity into the more complicated pieces because that's that's where he thinks um, uh, are the more interesting watches. And from economic perspective, from business perspective, I think that makes sense as well because you you only produce so much watch and then. Might as well produce the you know uh, higher pieces. Um, so in terms of the future, I think I I I don't know because I'm 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 probably a little biased because myself I, I like <laughs> just no, slightly because, because <laughs> even even among genres right I I prefer the earlier models than the current models because I always think. Like the earlier designs are more representative of uh, FP's original uh, original designs, 
And then he changed a lot of things in current lineup, but which I think uh, a lot of people probably would prefer. But to me, uh, uh, I, I think it's just uh, it's just a uh, uh, change that uh, as to 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 how do I say it to um, well he, he's he, yeah his taste changed as well because the, the designs now reflect what 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 he likes now mm-hmm. uh, and probably a lot of the market likes now. So I think for a lot of collectors like me, we'll always uh, still go to the original pieces, but it's good f- uh, uh, from a business perspective that he can get more people outside the current circle, like new customers, to appreciate his pieces. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you ask me where he's going, I think... Uh, I think uh, the brand is definitely gonna evolve to a uh, uh, to a uh, more uh, high horology house towards uh, complicated watches. Uh, it's still gonna produce limited numbers to keep the uh, rarity. Um, and after that, um, I don't know. It, I I mean, FP is still like he's he. I I think his strategies are still uh, refining and then the market is still changing. So I really don't know. Hmm. Okay. But I agree, I agree that I think he's going to focus more on high horology mm. from what he's been putting out. Um, I honestly, personally, I think it would be really, really interesting to see what the next iteration of the Elegant movement, maybe not in the Elegant case, but then a similar movement with a similar technology. Because I think that one in the current lineup, even though, you know, not everyone loves that model, but from my own personal experience, like the more and more I talk to people, a lot of people want an Elegant just because it's so easy to wear. Um, And I think people are focusing less on the fact that it's not mechanical. So maybe it might be interesting to see if he develops another um, movement that's not mechanical, that's like um, either, I don't know, not spring drive, but yeah, quartz battery powered, but in a different case shape or, or with a mechanism or a complication. That might be cool. Yeah, I think Allegon is a very, very special and very successful model uh, among the genre lineup uh, because, well, different people can like it for many different reasons. Like this, this, the, the design is very elegant. Um, the technology is very, very interesting uh, and it's very wearable. And uh, comparing to other genre prices, it's, very, it's relatively uh, uh, affordable. Yeah. So I think and it, 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 it and it fits uh, many people's lifestyle, right? People like uh, you know sports watch, uh, like colorful straps. So I think it's a very successful model. And then he managed to make it very interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, coming to the end of this interview now, James. Um, you travel between Beijing and Hong Kong. Um, what would you say the biggest cultural differences you see? in terms of watch collecting? Because I know you set up um, Jean Hutong um, with the aim of meeting 
more collectors in Beijing. How did that go? And yeah, what would you say are the differences? Yeah, um, that's a, I think that's a very good question. Um, so at the beginning, when I the, so the reason I set up Zhong uh, Hutong is very simple. Uh, because in Hong Kong, you know, we have this very established uh, watch community. Uh, we had one uh, Hong Kong Watch Club with a group of people that are really watch nerds, and then we gather. Uh, we have uh, gatherings from time to time, and then we share our uh, passion. Uh, and I guess it's easier in Hong Kong uh, because it's uh, it's a small place, right? Everyone is in central. Uh, it's easier to put people together and then arrange a meetup. Uh, so when I was uh, due to job relocation, when I was uh, moving back to Beijing uh, two years ago, I wanted something uh, in China, uh, especially in Beijing, uh, because I still want to keep uh, like uh, uh, watches uh, within my life, right? I want to, uh, I, I didn't know back then that uh, there were any active uh, watch clubs in in China or Beijing, so I want uh, I I I want to set up something, uh, something like the Hong Kong Hong Kong Watch Club, uh, in Beijing for myself. Uh, so I set set up this page, and then um, the ultimate goal at the time was to uh you know, uh, build up a platform for people like me uh like uh, like you to get together in Beijing. And I will provide a platform and venue to them so that people can can share their interest in Beijing, which is, um, I don't think exists now, even to this day. Uh, eventually, I want to make it as, uh, you know, we, we have our place, uh, preferably in Hutong, very Beijing style. And then we have our own place. And then uh, every time our gathering will be, will be held in this club that we have, and then we can, you know, uh, look at watches, we can have food, we can drink, we can have cigars. Uh, very, very, you know, um, that's the ultimate target. Uh, but then when I come back to Beijing, right, I, I think the watch community is quite different from, from Hong Kong or from the rest of the world because um, I, I, I think I, I think there are a few barriers, I would say, for 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 Chinese, uh, even even to this day, to uh, to be this uh, to to be like uh, the world communities elsewhere. I think the first is the information uh, that uh, that's accessible for the Chinese uh, watch lovers. Um, you have a Hodinki, you have a collected man in the English world, but. Uh, you have to know that still to this day, not a lot of people, well, not that much people uh, can read English that fluently, or they can, you know, uh, even if they can read English, it's probably harder for them to go through the wall and then to access, you know, external media. So information wise, uh, is, is there, there's a wall for them to access, you know, uh, all the information out there available to to the watch collectors uh, uh, from the rest of the world, so they have to rely on their own uh, uh, databases, which is mainly you know uh, the uh, Chinese forums, 
uh, Xiao Hongshu, things like that. And then if, if they're lucky, they can go out uh, outside and then get uh, uh, other information. So in general, I think uh, information is limited. So it's not that easily accessible. Um, and then I think is the, uh, is the history. Uh, like uh, when I say history is uh, like um, uh, the reserves of uh, information and, all, uh, and watches in China is less uh, compared to the rest of the world because China, China has only been opened been open for uh, and uh, the the economic uh, redevelopment only only started like uh, forty years ago, and for Chinese like only to our generation has this ability uh, and and has the resources to uh, to afford uh, timepieces like this. So in China, like the there weren't like my my father like. When, when he first bought watch, it was like uh, 20 years ago. And then uh, at that time, the best watch in China was a Omega Constellation. And that was already very expensive at the time. So you don't have all the vintage pieces, uh, all the history of collecting watch, watches in China. So for our generation, it's basically building this up and still at a very early stage. So that's what we, uh, what we don't have. Uh, in watch collecting world, uh, like and also in a lot of other other different 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 things, right? So that's that's limiting us. Uh, and then another thing is access to uh, watches. In Hong Kong, you can uh, and and rest of the world, you can easily access to all the brands you you want to look at, right? You have Watchbox, you have all all the boutiques, and you can go into the shop to look at the watches in person. But in China. Uh, it's just not that easy. Uh, now it's easier because of all the dealers starting to, you know, smuggle watches from from Hong Kong or from the rest of the world uh, into China now. But before these watches got popular, uh, even the dealers wouldn't be bothered to smuggle them in. So you only have those uh, uh, very very uh, standard watches to look at, um, and don't have the access to things like independence. So that I think make it harder for 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 the watch collector to appreciate uh, uh, the independence or the vintage pieces. So, because of these constraints, I think um, China is definitely picking up uh, slowly, uh, but it didn't have the have the uh, 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 track record or the, or the history or the resources to to have a very established network a very established community or even a very established a, um, a value system i mean what watches are good watches right hmm. okay very interesting answer very in-depth answer that was a yeah very well thought out um, i i really want to see how china develops their own vintage collecting circle because it's a very like long well mentioned it earlier like if you're not asian if you're not chinese there are certain things you don't understand right so in china for a very long time the way to show off um that you're like doing well in life is to have all the newest amenities right like in the 80s it, you, you would be killing it if you had like a fridge in 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 your home right late 80s and then 90s you'd be killing it if you had the latest um telephone so so chinese people 
have an obsession with new things, which is very sad because um, I'm taking one course right now that talks about the depth of Imperial China. And sadly, that was most of them were destroyed, right, during the Cultural Revolution. So I think it's a very nouveau like thinking that, oh, in order to show off my status and that I'm doing well, my my family is doing well, is to have the newest and the best thing. And and there's a there's a, a breakage and 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 like gap where um people stopped appreciating older um antiquities or whatever and and that also applies to watches so now i'm thinking like it might be really interesting to see if as a culture that might shift with this um increase of knowledge but if i were to ask that question to myself i don't think i think it's gonna take a while um just because of like we're moving against time and um that's what most people are still used to in in china as opposed to in europe so yeah i mean even even now i mean when i when i tell tell my friends i i, I got a vintage uh vintage watch uh a lot of them would still think oh then it, it must be cheaper than the current version because it's old because it's used yeah mm-hmm. and then and then for watch collecting i think you know um i i found out that history is very important uh when you when you're looking into the vintage pieces you really have to look into uh, the period of time, uh, what's going on uh, 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 at, at that time in the world. Uh, in China, it was a very different uh, 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 stage uh, compared to the rest of the world. Uh, so like, I, I read a lot of books, uh, uh, old magazines, to get information of how people uh, look at watches, evaluate watches, like, 10, 20 years ago. And it's very interesting to see uh, a lot of the watches uh, people already are, start to appreciate uh, in Hong Kong, in, in, in English-speaking world, uh, uh, like 20 years ago. 20 years ago, uh, like the, the 2499 was already a grail. Uh, in China, like, you don't know what it is, right? So it's a very different stage in China now compared to the rest of the world. Mm. Right. Well, that ends the interview with you, James. Um, we now go on to the reverse round. Since you're so familiar with the podcast, you'll know what that's about. Please shoot your questions. All right. Uh, I will first. Well, I, I I think some of my questions are are uh, are are appointed to to uh, a specific person of you guys, uh, but some are not. So I throw out the first one. Um, since you have so many watches, right? Um, and you probably have more than one watches for each occasion. How, when you wake up every day, how do you make your decision to wear any uh, particular watch? If you have more than one watch for that occasion or that day. Hmm. Wants to go first. Well, I guess my taste in watches is the fact that I like watches that can actually fit with many outfits because I like uh, even it, it's even apparent in my clothing. Um, I always stick to like navies, grays, charcoals, you know, white because I always like the how flex the flexibility 
of putting things together and mixing and matching, but knowing it's always going to work. And so that's reflected in the watches I like. When you say uh, you like timeless design or, um, yeah, like I am quite similar with that. In terms of like, even when I look, I think the color, right? Most of the time, I don't really go for anything exotic in terms of color. It's usually, you know, black or it's like silver or, or like opaline, this kind of color. And that's it. You know, I'm not even a massive fan of, um, you know, dark blue uh in a watch um so yeah when it comes to ex I, I don't find it a tough tough decision to go and pick pick one i i think the 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 choice would be like if you wore had something like a tourbillon you know like a complicated movement then i would think that would be for a specific i i'd have to i think whether or not you know i i take this to a particular meeting but i think it would be the meeting that i'd be thinking about rather than what i was wearing most of the time now when i go i'm i'm suited and tied anyway so a lot of the pieces will be uh skewed towards like classic dress watches yeah mm -hmm. jack go first uh for me i think we talked a little bit about this earlier it's like who am i meeting um well okay so there's two scenarios first like am i just wearing it for myself then that really depends on my mood right that could go from left and right anywhere uh rainbow of possibilities but then if i'm like meeting specific people like say if i'm going to a to a watch event then maybe i'll wear something that um most people at the event will find to be the most interesting so that you know, I can pass it around, and people do the same, and 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 get the conversation going. It might not be the one that I'm um, feeling like to wear the most. And if I'm going to, I don't know, like um, to 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 the school or doing an interview, then because most of mine are, are still like very classic dress watches, um, then I think then this relates to what Daniel was talking about, which is the dial color. And, and how that fits with um, like what I'm wearing for the day. In terms of complication, um, like for Turbion, it just reminded me because Dan said that if it's a Turbion, then he's going to a meeting. For me, it's the exact opposite. Like if I'm wearing a Turbion, it's to play tennis uh, so far lately. So that's like my, my to go because I, and not off record, but I'm perfectly happy with saying this on record. Like if I, I just have this like thought, if I'm playing tennis and I break the watch, that's going to be one hell good of a case to, to bring the watch back to them and be like, Hey, you guys are supposed to be on top of your game here with this like arrow dot like space technology right but then i ended up breaking it because my swing is so bad or whatever that i that it's no longer running accurate then they're gonna apologize and offer me something good so well they might say you're not quite rafa nadal yet <laughs> yeah, well, doesn't that make a case like if you're not rafa but then you can still like i don't know cause it to run not as accurately or or whatever um so yeah, I think you can show off. Nadal didn't break it; you broke it. Yeah, 
Yeah. Can I just say, I, okay, so I've never been in like a big RM person, right? But I have to say with regarding tennis and this brand, like, you know, a lot of people hate on RM, which, you know, I, I get why they do, but you have to give one thing to them and it's their marketing. Because yes. my, tennis, my tennis coach, and I've had two, one local and one when I was in Miami, both of them know, like, they don't nothing, watches, right? Nothing. And then when they see the watch that you're wearing, they're like, oh, is that a Richard something? And they know. And then they, and then they say, oh, that's the same watch um, Rafa is wearing, right? I'm like, no, I wish, but you, you got it. It's the same brand. Their marketing is on point. You got to give that to them. Like who they choose as ambassadors, it's ingenious. But then, you know, they use Margot Robbie and nobody cares. They do. They do. Yeah. Which, you know, I, I think. Used, um, I don't know if they care about, do you know, Johan Blake? Yeah. yeah that one's the green one, the green and yellow one. A lot yeah. of people care about that one too. But I mean, I the- think it's cool they use Michelle Yeoh, but like obviously because of her husband. But I just think that's one killer. Like she rocks it well. Yeah. Yeah. The boss lady yeah okay can i just know like is your tennis good now because of the rm no <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I, so so um the case material of my watch is some, what they call surmet which is yeah. a, uh, an alloy of ceramic and titanium and supposed to be like scratch resistant right it's supposed to be more scratch resistant than pure ceramic and then the first time I wore it, I put a scratch on it. And I was like, ooh. Oh. And then I was like, wait, but it's supposed to be s- scratch resistant. No, so it's supposed to be scratched. Yeah, but then, like, I mean, now I don't care. But then the first scratch that, on it is... That, that's the word, though, isn't it? Scratch resistant. It's not scratch proof. You know, yeah. it's, like, resistant. Yeah, but then it's just like, oh like yeah it costs so much and then you guys uh, put so much emphasis on the materials but like, from one silly game of tennis i was i was able to to put a scratch on it but the hey, first always- you said it it's the marketing isn't it they're marketing geniuses the marketing is just so yeah good. yeah yeah they are you have to give that to them but i, I always think of like before i i hate scratches but when I when I got a dent on on my old Royal Oak, I always remember that moment when I when I dented it. So even yeah. though you got a uh, you got a scratch, it actually keep it, it, it keeps a part of the memory for you. Yeah, yeah. You always remember. I'll always remember. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, um. Yeah. I mean. I would say similar to what you guys said, but very specifically, it's like when you wear a watch, it kind of like, it's like you're a character, right? So it's like Jack puts on the watch and she thinks she's Rafa, that kind of feeling. So it's more about like, who am I going to meet? And like, what kind of character do I want to be? Disorder, like I'm psychotic or something, but it's like, you just what kind of person do I feel like being today? So it's like a magic cape kind of totally. thing. So you put it on and you're like, whoa, I am Rafa today. That yeah. kind of I, I don't have those calves though. Yeah, you don't. Uh, but you're getting there. Hopefully. I 
<laughs> I um I forgot. There's something else I consider actually, James, which is the weather. So if I mm. think it's going to rain, or if you know, or like in the summer it's hot, I will think about you know, is the watch on a, a strap or is it on a bracelet? I'll think, oh, you know, I I'm just a bit worried because it's raining so hard. I don't want any kind of. So I'll think about that as well. Actually, that's true. Or if it's like too old, then you don't wear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. Any more questions? I will. James? I, I'll actually. I'll actually. Um. For this question, I will. I, I will. I will share my. Why. Why I ask it, right? Because it actually relates to. I'm. I'm currently trying to downsize because a lot of the time when I say like when like when I ask, right? When you have more than one watch, that's that fits the occasion. Uh. Why? Oh. How do you pick one over another? For example, Jacqueline, if if you. If you if you're choosing between a five five zero four and a thirty nine seventy one, like basically they're they're very similar watches, right? Although different movement, but very similar watches for 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 the occasion. How do you choose one over the other? So that's that's one thing I've been thinking about because when I choose my watch in the morning, uh, and I have very similar watches all all, all over, right? All dress watches, gold cases. And then I have to think about uh, what to wear. And then for the most of the time, I realized that I even, I ended up choosing one because I like that one more, not because what mood I'm in that day. So that's what I'm thinking I should uh, avoid uh, situations like this. And uh, the way is to cut down your collection to a few core pieces mm. that you really, really like. And then every time when you have one occasion, you would definitely go to go to that piece because that's the piece you like the most for that purpose. Um, yeah, so so that's that's why I asked the question. Like if you had if if you guys are experienced the same same thing, um, yeah. I'm always for downsizing. I think if you're having difficulty with choosing because you you find that certain pieces fit i mean but for you it like it is that because you know drawings are like complication aside it's all the same case design right so i would um i'm always a big supporter of downsizing but you're not yeah <laughs> no, i do i do no no, no she has she has downsized, I've downsized yeah. a lot last year especially have you, have you guys not thought about like instead of downsizing is there a way that you could just like learn to just be a dick and just wear whatever watch you want and not care? <laughs> yes, I have thought about that, but then you, okay. So maybe it's just my personality again. Like when I look at my watch box and I know the number of times or how long it's been since I last wore that one specific watch, then it starts bothering me. Yeah. And then, and then I would like, on purpose wear it out but then it will stick with me that oh i'm wearing it just because i feel bad. <laughs> yeah pity out yeah, of pity yeah. and it's gonna bother Same me for me yeah, yeah, yeah. And then i'm like okay it's time to move it yeah so yeah. that's me but then obviously i know other people just they don't care or that doesn't bother them but that bothers me a lot does, yeah. does this apply to clothes by the way no yeah it does it does for me okay for me yeah, as well so, starting yeah. I, yeah, I see some clothes and I, I, yeah. I, I chuck them. I don't want to see them there. Yeah. 
I want it very carefully done. Yeah, I. Yeah. I don't relate to clothes as much as much. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Right. Next question. Um. So, so you you know all these vintage watches? They have different series, right? And then in general. Like people among collectors, they have preference of of one series over another, right? For example, the twenty four ninety nine, there are two series, and then the first two series are supposed to be more, you know, sought after and uh, over the over the certain fours. So my question is, uh, if 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 for the same price, would you get a uh okay condition second series twenty four ninety nine? Or would you get a perfect condition third series twenty four ninety nine? So the question is: Do you choose uh, quality over rarity, or rarity over quality? Mm. The thing is, right? Like rarity is very with things that are not in production anymore. You kind of it's a lot more like less subjective isn't it like condition my my acceptable condition will be different to your acceptable condition you know mm -hmm. you'll see a mark on the dial and you'll be accepting of that i won't be but rarity is like there were only 50 of these there are only 48 and even if yeah a few more appear on the market it's ruffled there or thereabouts mm -hmm. so it's a lot more like culpable you know that like you can actually there's mm -hmm. hard substance with it so i'd have to say I'd have to say I'd go for the uh, second series because there's another thing as well. Like you buy the watch, right? Which is the third series and it's the best condition. But in your mind, I want the second series, right? Yeah. And I can't yeah. wear a watch like that where I'm thinking, do you know what? I like you, but actually every time I see you, you remind me of the second series. Yeah. Yeah. So you can compromise for the condition, but you would need to need need it to be the version you like. It would be like this. Yeah. It wouldn't be compromising. It's either I like it, I go for it, or I don't go for it because the condition is mm. too bad. You know, I can't, I can't. I don't. I wouldn't necessarily force myself to accept it. Yeah. Yeah. It's either right or it's not right. Yeah. But in this hypothetical game, you have to accept one. <laughs> Then I don't. I, I I'm leaning towards going for the second series twenty four ninety nine. I don't think I could do the third series even if it was in tip top condition. The only maybe I'd do it was maybe investment purpose. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So yeah, not really planning check. to hold on to it. Yeah. Yeah. But it depends on how bad the second series is. Like That's what it, I mean, right? That's why it's subjective. Yeah, uh, like on the condition. It's it's an okay condition. It's not perfect condition. It's a, it's a, well, it's a accept, acceptable condition to you. Is it in pink gold? <laughs> <laughs> You're complicating the question. <laughs> oh, that is such a jackalit thing to say. <laughs> yes. friends to me. I would I would be very willing to accept an okay condition pink gold rose um rose gold 2499 but I think I would be less lenient on I think if they were both yellow gold and one was like okay condition and one was the best third series you can find 
I'll go for the best third series you can find. Mm. Yeah. And I wouldn't, I don't think I would be very bothered about all oh, every time I like I'll look at it, I'll re- it'll remind me of the second series because I'll know I have the best one that I can find. I'll, I'll give you one example. Like this is now I'm talking about it. It makes sense. I have a 1526 that I bought that I paid a lot for, um, but it's, um the best one so far that i could find full set and everything and it's i paid a lot more than what the current market price of a 1526 is now prior to this one before i knew that this one existed i always wanted a pink gold 1526 because in quantity wise it's much rarer than the yellow gold right but I've seen a few pink gold ones and I've seen a pink yellow gold ones on the secondary market. Never went for it because the condition was just, because the case was not um, hematically sealed. So the dial was ruined all the time uh, to, to, to me, like to a standard that I couldn't accept. Um, so when I, when I bought the 1526, even though I did pay above market price um, for like a regular 1526, I don't think I overpaid for that one just because of the condition, um, mm. because of provenance and and the full set and 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 the dial. So so that's the one that I I chose. And for the same price, I could buy an okay condition rose gold one, um, mm. but I'd rather have the the best yellow gold example for the fifteen twenty six. Yeah. So to you, basically, condition is the most important. I think depends on the reference number, but just, no. just, 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 or, just move on. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. move on. Like <laughs> just, just shut up, Jack. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're that. You're that like uh, annoying geek in your in your school classroom, right? Where where kids want the lesson to end. And you yeah. keep going on with the teacher about like, yeah, but yeah, but it's like, and everybody's like already packed up their bags and ready to go. And you're just like, and and someone's just asking questions. Yeah. Like, Shut up. Yeah. Just let us leave. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um. Okay. Me e- like easily con- is not the condition easily is just like the one I want to wear and wear the most because mm-hmm. it's just like, I never take care of my watches anyways and it's not something I think about and also I'm so far behind in terms of like letting pieces go and understanding like my life is not over the moment one leaves um wait I have attachment issues this shows up in my collecting style as well right I realized so basically it's like can't let it go (laughs) so just condition doesn't it doesn't even like even to the point I don't think I care that much about box and papers because I won't, it's kind of like, um, I don't understand this with wedding rings as well. Like, why do people say, where is your ring from? Because how does the box relate to what the ring looks like? I'm confused about this. So it's the same thing with box and papers when it comes to watches, unless there's a crazy good story behind it. Mm. Something related to war or whoever owned it before you, like had it before mm. you. I agree. Yeah. Okay. I'm the same. I, 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 most of the time I buy the piece with less perfect condition, but uh, the better version I, I like because uh, I want to wear it all the time. I don't like, like Daniel said, I don't want to have my, in my mind, oh, I should, I should go for the better version, which I like more uh, to, to, to trade off on the condition. And condition wise, 
I'm gonna wear it. I don't want to be the first one, for the person to make a first scratch on it.、Mm-hmm. Uh, and the 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 less perfect condition actually makes it easier to wear. Yeah. But Jack,、true. do you do you wear 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 the ones with perfect condition? The fifteen, yeah, I wear it. I just have to be very careful with it because it's very old. Um, let, let us know when you make a first scratch on it. <laughs> oh no, there's there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of line scratches on that watch already, so I don't feel as bad、uh, with that.、Well, let us know when you make a ding in it then. Yeah, yeah not not did not happen yet, but hopefully never. <laughs> yeah, door door knobs and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Right.、Um, let's move on to the pumpish round. Okay, James, are you ready? Okay. Yeah. Right. If you weren't doing what you're doing, what would you preferably do, in terms of job wise? Ah,、oh, I actually have a good answer.、Uh, I always have this answer.、Uh, perfect job. I think I would love to have is actually what Mark Cho does. <laughs> His job very particular, because I am very into classic menswear. Uh, I'm. Uh, I, I think. Armory、um, has done a very good job in promoting classic menswear in 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 the、uh, in, in Asia.、Uh, I think uh, like uh, in the next ten twenty years, Armory will be very iconic uh, uh, among Asian uh, classic menswear uh, fashion industry. Uh, and uh, the reason I like his job is because、uh, with Armory, he can. Uh, like he's like he's surrounded with things that he likes, and he loves, and he can you know make things that he like he can refine things, and he can he can he can also expand this into watches into many other things, like a lot of things that men men like. So if you ask me, uh, putting other things out of consideration, uh, what's the best job? I would pick this job.、Mm. Okay, number two. Shanghai, Beijing, Shenzhen, Hong Kong—one pro thing, one con thing, of each. Wow, that's、uh, not a pump pusher question. <laughs> very long. All right, pick. Let's pick one of those. Let's Beijing then, right? One pro, one con. Beijing. Uh, I like the personality of Beijing people, uh, in general. Uh. What I don't like is、um, personality of Beijing people. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, yes. <laughs> what 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 I don't like is、uh, it could be very crowded, and、uh, some places could be、uh, less developed, even in Beijing.、Mm. All right.、Yeah. Number three, the most important thing to get right when you're picking out your outfit for the day. Sorry, say it again. The most important thing to get right when you're picking out your outfit for the day. Uh, that it doesn't look tight because I gained so much weight over the past three years. <laughs> right, my clothes、okay. actually are running very tight now. <laughs> Number four. Tailored. Aside from watches, what aside from work and family takes up your time? Mm. Cigars now. 
Like okay. I, I spend a lot of time looking at cigars, buying cigars, and then smoking cigar takes a lot of time. And you have to do it uh, on yourself, right? <laughs> you can't, you can't do it with your family, mm. right? But, yeah, yeah I, I think that's a luxury. That's a luxury for me, being a uh, being a uh, family guy. Mm. Right. Next question: Who's your favorite host on the waiting list podcast, and why? Good question. Dan basically sets up these questions when he thinks the person's going to say him. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> we my won't. microphone. There's something wrong with my internet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I will just say Dan to to. No, no I, I actually, to be honest, I have to say, Dan. like, oh. it, it's really hard to pick. I mean, no, no, I, I like it's like it's really hard to pick. No, but you know, Dan actually needs this. Please. Yes, <laughs> okay, I, I I would say Dan because he's the only guy. Yeah, and he needs to kind of come on. <laughs> right, number six. Right. Um, if you could take one watch out of Jacqueline's collection, past or present, for you to keep, which one would it be? Wow. Same difficult question. Um, I will have her 3971 uh, 30, in um, in the Brigade numerals, the Black Dial. Good choice. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, next one. Who would you like us to interview next? Oh, there's so many people I think <laughs> could be. Uh, I would say uh, the, the the friend I mentioned, the, the collector I mentioned in Hong Kong, um, oh. who has been collecting for, for 20 years. I, okay. He has a massive drawn um, collection. He has a massive uh, vintage patek collection. And he actually influenced me a lot uh, in, in, in going into vintage pateks. Is he? Is he Mark Cho's uh, customer as well? Uh, he could be. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Right. Next one. The best video game ever, in your opinion. That's oh okay. I was like, that's weird. You play video games? Well, the the one I spend the most time is um. Uh, Pro Evolution, uh, soccer, right. yeah, the soccer game because yeah. uh, it's just no, you, you, a lot of the games you you really enjoy, but you play on your own. But that game is you know, like universal; you you can play with any friend. Uh, it's interesting. You call it Pro Evolution, aside to uh, like winning eleven. Yeah, that was yeah. I, yeah, I should say winning eleven because that that fits our age more. <laughs> yeah. Can I please recommend one video game if you want to play with other people? I've this is my recently I've been obsessed with this one. Um Breakup Kitchen. Breakup Kitchen. Breakup Kitchen. Yeah. What is it? So about breakup it on? Or what platform about is it on? Kitchen? It's, it's on a lot of platforms. It's on everything. 
oh my god you need to play with like your best friend or your loved so basically the idea of this video game is if you play it with a loved one they will break up with you or like if you play with your boyfriend girlfriend or like best friend they will disown you because the the uh, game is like you have to work together but then the game makes it really difficult for you to work together to fulfill the order <laughs> and that's why they call it breakup kitchen so you have to be very good with teamwork but then the game obviously works against that and then um i play it recently i've been playing it a lot sounds and, like overcooked um these things might be that overcooked I, yeah and maybe it's when you're in the kitchen it's when you're in the kitchen and you have to prepare meals right it's a fish yeah. sushi so it's, it's yeah, very you have to rush around and to that um but then it's people multiplayer okay. yeah right Next one, the best Sorry, video game character, game? in your opinion. What? Oh, wait, also, can, video can I, I want to advertise something online really quickly. Does oh. anyone want to play Age of Empires with me? Please DM. <laughs> like, I'm ready to start playing again. Okay. That's... Okay, PSA done. <laughs> yeah. Best video game character. Uh... Max Payne. I don't know if you guys know. Yeah, I know that. I know that one. That's that. I wasn't yeah. expecting you to say that. Like that is yeah, because niche. yeah, because what when I still play games, but a lot of the games there isn't a character or is too popular like Mario. But I think Max game Max Payne is a very very special one. I don't think the girl knows who Max Payne is. You? I don't think so. You know, it doesn't exist anymore. No, that is. I'm looking at yeah. Age. Of yeah, because Max Payne <laughs> has his very own storyline, and um, the game is very, very well designed. Okay, right. Last one. One thing that you used to do as a kid, uh, or used to have as a kid, that you think we should bring back today. Homework. What homework? Yes. Dude, like I thought we were friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, because because I I feel like my my kids now they like my daughter like they don't have homework at all. When when we ask, well, obviously you you don't want which part too of China homework. are you from? <laughs> <laughs> well, international school. They don't uh, it's like they almost okay. they almost afraid of giving homeworks out because of the of the culture now. Yeah. Like yeah. they don't want to give a give out too much pressure but like the purpose of the homework is i i think is still useful right what is if the purpose you... of the homework can i know oh my god yeah that's such a good question long what is the purpose of like homework i well, know because parent, I, look at, I look at the no parent. i look at the homework and sometimes i think i can't see the benefit of this same. I feel like the benefit of a homework for the parents is that they keep the bi kids busy while you do other stuff. Yeah, no, yeah. that's what no. I was thinking as well. No, because the parent no. has to get involved with the homework. No, like, the yeah. Really? Yeah, in China, yeah. Especially at an early age, I guess. They, they can't mm. do it uh, independently. Mm, yeah. Like, when I teach my daughter's uh, math, it's, it's horrible. <laughs> for you? <laughs> But I still think is uh, they need to have some homework to remind them what they have learned at school. As a parent, I mean, from parent oh to, to I mean... remind them that they still go to school. 
<laughs> now I'm thinking like a parent, right? Yeah. Okay, wait, by the way, do you guys still have these diaries where it's like, um, as a student, you write in the diary, this is the homework, and then after yeah. you do the homework, oh, and the parents sign off? No, 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 we don't have that anymore. Oh. Uh, yeah. No, nah, it's a lot more... Um, parents and teachers or homeroom teachers are a lot more accessible now. So... Mm-hmm like they can literally direct message you on the phone right before you couldn't do that there was no phone right there's no smartphone but now the groups the politics involved in school you'll know like like run like campaigns i've heard of that i don't think i would be a very good parent i because i think it's also is like that if you go to private school there's a lot of politics among the parents and you know a lot of people like a lot of moms are going to be really energetic and they're going to be organizing all the after school events i don't think I'm one of those moms just like, no, so, it's like know. even um you know during covid a lot of the school was canceled or that you know they're going online just there straight away you know parents are going to pipe up to the school about the tuition and fees or the lesson mm-hmm. structure or how anything is done right it's hard for the school, but I think, come on, it's completely justified. You're not using any of the school's facilities. The teaching is just very questionable how effective it is. Mm-hmm. You know, that's putting it lightly. And yet you're paying like 400K. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I'll be curious to see, though, is I just want to see if Jean grows up to be like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> very sophisticated guy wearing suits <laughs> suits and wearing a genre or he just turns out to be all, like the complete opposite yeah and, yeah C- could be and then he he will hate he will probably hate the name i can't imagine because you know Joran is not easy to pronounce it's not at all yeah. I mean, even even my wife re- re- refuses to pronounce it that way he so he yeah, she she calls him Ruhna. Because she insisted that's the way that's properly pronounced in French. <laughs> Believe me, I've I've shown him like so many YouTubes of yeah. of interviews of Sean and then when, when he speaks his own name, I will point it out, but still she refused to uh, use that <laughs> probably because it's hard to pronounce. Oh my god. Right. <laughs> Well, that ends the uh, podcast. Thank you so much, James, uh, for one, continually listening to this stuff. right? And uh, thank you for coming on. You've been a fantastic guest today. Thanks a lot, guys. I really uh, enjoyed it. Okay. Right. We'll see you guys on the next one. Bye. Bye. As always, thank you for listening to The Waiting List Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to reach out to us at The Waiting List Podcast on Instagram or via our private accounts. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.